Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, Jesus. I said good morning, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. I do think the world of you, not quite that much, but... Good morning, Jesus. I said that earlier today. Good morning again. And good morning to all of you guys. Uh, If you're a first-time guest here, uh, my name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here at the Vineyard, and so good to have you out. We are closing out uh, our series on joy this morning. We've been in this for five weeks. And uh, next week, uh, we start a series called uh, Gratitude Intervention. So if you know anything about interventions, you know when it's those that love you the most, see an issue, something in your life, and they're like, they really need someone to come around them and intervene and help them. And, uh, and every now and then, you know, we need an intervention of gratitude. We need to be reminded of the, the wonderful things that God has done in our lives and who he is. And, and, uh, and so the preaching team that I affectionately call the pit crew, which is my preachers, pastors, and training team. They have this series. It's their responsibility. They're working hard on it. And so uh, grab someone, bring them back next week as the July series uh, launches, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We'll be in and out. I've done this a few times at the church. I take some time off in July to kind of re, re-power up and research and read and, and relax a little bit and uh, take advantage of the 460 years of vacation time I've built up over the life of this church. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, we'll be in and out, but you'll be in good hands. And so uh, it's, it's going to be a wonderful series. Uh, as we progress through this series, uh, you know, I've kind of mingled some scientific data as I've known to do at times with some of the things because I feel like that all of this God has put things in play in his creation and we in a way scientifically and intellectually are just kind of catching up you you never do catch up to the beauty and the depth of God but I feel like we're just getting kind of clued in on some of the the most beautiful aspects of of ourselves and how God has created us and we've realized that he's created us in such a way that we do have some control over the way that we approach life that God has given us some wonderful uh, tools and uh, his presence as we come to follow him in our lives and that there's there's much that can be changed that we don't have to remain the same through our whole lives and I think this is especially true when it comes to our sense of joy our sense of happiness in life and uh, I mentioned that there's like 10% of our joy and our happiness is uh, di- dictated by our circumstances, which I'm happy to say that's a small number and I'm happy because some of you and some of us at times in our life have faced circumstances where that 10% seems to be overwhelming and it tends to press in on us and it will rob us of our joy, rob us of our happiness and keep us from really being able to take stock of all that God has given to us and all that he wants to do and all that he's actually doing in that moment. Now, there's another 50% we learned that is genetically predisposed. And uh, so that means that our wiring, our DNA can be predisposed to a certain genetic disposition to how uh, the levels of our happiness and joy and um, But here's the good thing about that 50%. That is that our brains can be retrained. Romans 12, 2, I keep preaching it all the time. Let's don't be transformed, right? Paul said, don't be transformed. 
by the culture, by the way the world presses on you, but be, what is it? Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Don't be conformed, pressed into saying, this is the way it has to be. This is the way I'll always be. This is the way it's going to be for me forever. I'll always feel like this. I will always be like this. No, don't be, don't be conformed and pressed into that. But allow God in his great mercy to come and to transform and change us by the renewing of our mind. The way we think. The way God wants to give us the outlook of life. And we, as we do that, things change chemically for us in our brains and, and all of this. And, and so if that's 50%. And, you know, and then another uh, 50%, you know, 50% is, is just what we do in life. Our choices. And so, or 40%, excuse me, I can't add, good engineer that I am. Uh, you know, 50, 10, and 40, yeah, that's 100, uh, new math. Uh, so, you know, the other 40% is, is just up to our choices. How we look at life, how do we perceive it? What, and, uh, and so I think this, this series is, was a little personal for me. I mean, I'm working this thing and working this whole issue of, my aspect and my view of life and, and how much good that God has placed in this world and in us and in his people and around us and how do we process that in such a way that God's joy indeed is growing in us and it's being multiplied and we're able to give it away. You might, did you know there was a happy index? There's a happy index and in 1940 out of 10 the happy index was 7.5. In 2007, guess what the happy index was? 7.5. Things were a lot different in 1940, right? And, I, and so, you know, the people that, that, these surveys, and I'll say the people that, you know, that make 30,000 said they'll be happy if they can make 50,000. The people who make 100,000 said they would be happy and joyful if they could make 250,000. Do you see how that incrementally just stretches? You know, when it's here, it's just, I, I want a little more to be happy. But when I'm here, it's like, I don't want that much more to be happy. It's, it's kind of a fickle thing, isn't it? The way we are, the way we process information, what we think will make us happy, what we think will make us joyful. And yet, it's, a lot of it is under our control. A lot of it is under the control of how we think. And joy is a major theme in the Bible. It runs through it consistently. When Jesus came to this earth, fully man, fully God, the angels declared that it was the most joyful moment in all of history. Again and again, they said, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. No, it wasn't a somber occasion. It was a moment of happiness and joy that God loves this world so much that he had broken into it with himself and his only son, fully flesh and fully God himself has come to earth and the angels were celebrating. And so this happiness has come to earth and is here for us and is here in us. And yet sometimes it's a battle, isn't it, to keep that joy going. And, and I, I'm not one for saying we deny sorrows. That we, no, we go through these times. We've been through times of deep sorrow and deep loss in our lives. And many of you have and maybe you are right now. And that's not to say we live in this place of denial at all. We should fully, fully grieve and fully uh, embrace that in such a way as that we allow the comfort and the grace of God to come and minister to us. But that is also a refilling at times of God's joy, even in the midst of that. Uh, one really tough moment in our lives, we lost our grandson, and, uh, and there were some other things going on in our lives, and 
you know, if it, it was a lot of praying going on during that period of time, especially two, three, four in the morning when you can't sleep. And you're, you're there talking to God and, and, and your heart's breaking and there's no way not to walk through it, right? You ever had those times when there's no way not to walk through it? You wish you didn't, but you've got to walk through it. But it's at those moments, I have to tell you, I go back and look at my prayer journals. And it's at those moments and times when I see God's presence in such a profound way. That it's, it's very prescient. You know, it's there. It's, it's touchable. It's almost tasteable. And, and you can taste it at that time almost. God's comfort and His grace in the midst of brokenness. And even in the midst of that, there's this surreal joy that can envelop our lives and and give us a hope for the future. And so don't think that, you know, we are people who don't recognize loss and we don't walk through it. And we don't believe that indeed God is there in that and that we walk with each other or we deny it at all. No. But I do believe there's a well deep within us in Jesus Christ. A great well of hope, expectation of good and joy and happiness that is there for us to let it flow even more so than we may be experienced. And so that's been my hope over the last five weeks. We're going to be over in Psalm 43. One verse this morning, verse 4. Uh, if you're new here, on the back of your worship program, if you flip it over, there's a fill-in and the scripture on the back as well. And we do this every Sunday so that you can walk along with me as we take a look at these scriptures. So I'm going to read this and uh, pray. And we're going to jump into this. Psalm 43, 4. There I will go to the altar of God. To God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my guitar, harp. <laughs> oh God, my God. Father, would you bless us with your presence this morning? Would you bless us with a great sense of appreciation and gratefulness, Lord, for who you are and that you love us deeply? Holy Spirit, would you come and move among us and in us? Would you reveal to us that source of joy, which is yourself. Would you show us, Lord, and would you remove stones from the mouth of that stream so that the streams of joy can run through our lives in a greater measure, where we can be refreshed and renewed, and Lord, our hope, our hope can just burst forth, Lord, like the morning sun. So Holy Spirit, come, rule and reign. Teach us this morning and do your good work. And Father, I ask this, those of us in here this morning who are in a very tough spot, maybe a place of loss or wondering what's going on, would you especially come in a way and talk and speak and touch them? Touch them and reveal yourself to them as the one who is there with them and coming alongside them to be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, this psalm is a part of a few psalms. We don't know... Uh, Written by like to the worship leaders so that they could lead the people of Israel in worship. We are not exactly sure who wrote this psalm. Some people think it was David, even though his name is not on it. King David. It could have been written during the period of time when Saul was chasing David down, trying to kill him. A man that he served, a king that he served. And of course, David would end up being the king. And... Um, and so this could be at a moment in time when David, if indeed he wrote it, David was actually looking for that joy. He was kind of looking for a place, a respite, somewhere where he could get out of all this pain and all of the oppressiveness of life. And so this psalm leaps out to us in this moment. 
So, you know, the Bible is not written in this vacuum away from life, but it's written in the very aspects of the struggles of life. It's written in the very everyday lives of the people of the Bible. And, uh, and so this is, this is something that I lived in the Psalms during that period of time that I told you about in my life. I lived in it. I mean, I went to the Psalms every 2 o'clock in the morning. I was in there on the Psalms and reading and reading. And, and it was written in people's lives, particularly David's life, at, at times of much struggle and much questioning about God. And in the midst of this, we find this absolutely wonderful verse. And so I want to give you three things this morning that I think will help us in our pursuit of joy and to see that joy would be more pronounced and more alive in our lives. And the first thing is this, your first feeling is this, and I think we need to make this personal. We need to make it personal. Did you notice that in this psalm, there's five times the writer says, I, my, I, my, my. This is a very personal thing to the writer if it is David. He's like, it's me that's here. It's me in this moment. It's me in, the, in this time of need. It's me wondering, Lord, and wanting to see that joy. Make it personal. It's so easy for us sometimes to feel. This is especially too, true if you're a Christian, okay? Because I've been a Christian a long time now, but I do remember before I was. Because I'm reminded every time I look out these doors and I look at that beach and I think of walking up and down it and I remember it like it was yesterday. But I have to tell you, we Christians sometimes tend to separate ourselves from things. And we think, oh, that's for somebody else, but it's not for me. And I don't know if it's a sense of false humility or we beat up on ourselves and being afraid to ask God for something very personal and for him to really come and help us with this. But I'm convinced that we need to be personal about this. We need to say, I, Lord, me, it's me right now that needs this. I mean... The writer says, I will go to the altar. I will go to the place of sacrifice. I will go to where I know you are. And at this time, maybe the altar, the tabernacle and all, was either a tent, just a simple rough tent. It was not a temple yet, but a tent. Or it was the actual Ark of the Covenant and all was being kept in someone's house. So it was a very humble time. But David, or the writer, says, I'm going to get to where you are, Lord. I'm going to make my way there. I'm I am going to do it. I'm not going to wait for someone else to do it or try to get me there. But I am going to get up and I am going to take a few steps toward your altar. I'm going to do this. And so, um, you know, he wants and he wants us and he walks us into the very presence of God. That's what Jesus does because he split the veil. You know, in the Old Testament, when Jesus died, there, there was this thick garment between the Holy of Holies in the temple and then the holy place and the outer courts. They had this whole process. And then you couldn't get into the Holy of Holies unless you were a priest. And you only did it like once a year. And, you know, it was such an such a ordeal to get to God. But it's not like that for us in Christ. Jesus has come as our high priest. And when he died, that thick temple garment that separated from the Holy of Holies to where everybody else had to stand outside. It says it was rent. It was torn from the very top, which was way up in the air. Guess who tore it? It was rent. It was torn from the top to the bottom, ripped right open. That was God going, okay, you are welcome to come in. Boom. No more separation. Because in Christ, 
Now you have a welcome mat thrown out. Come on in. And it wasn't even like that for David at that time. But David says, I'm going to get to the place where I know that you and your presence are. I'm going to get there. I'm going to do something. And look what he says. I will go to the altar. The source of all whose joy? My joy. Like it's neat to look at someone else and go, I'm so glad you're happy. Because I'm not. David says, I'm not. I've got to get to the source of where all joy comes from. Where that happy, the creator of happiness. Where is that God? I want to get to him. Uh, maybe you don't realize this. Uh, if you read this book, you do read this book, right? You, you read it, yeah, I always say that to you guys. But in Luke 15, there's a passage of scripture that is just, it should make you happy. Because Jesus says in the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Do you get that? When you change your mind, when you are going this way and God convicts you to go that way, when you repent, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, there was a party in heaven. Now, for those of us who have come to Christ, I want to ask you something. Was that a bummer day or a great day? Was it? Was it an awesome day? Do you remember it? Seriously? Do you remember it? Because I do. You hear it here all the time. I tell my story all the time because it's like it was yesterday. May 1st, 1971. Surfing contest. Ratty Hotel. Sitting on a red bed. Doing yoga. Eating granola and raw eggs. Dear friend looks at me and goes, what the heck are you doing? And I go, I'm trying to bring peace to my life. I'm trying to get centered. He says, I got an easier way for you to get there. Come over here. Pulls out his Bible. Reads the story of Jesus to me and the lights go on. I'm like, wow. What? The source of all joy. Source of all happiness. The source of all meaning. The hope of a future that doesn't just go here, but it goes on. And on and on for eternity. When that happened, you know, the angels are just like, I don't know what your favorite dance is. I don't dance. I'm a musician. That's why musicians play instruments. They have something between them and the next person. Stand back. Right? But I like to jump up and down. <laughs> you know, I like to act dorky. I can move around. Just imagine the angels who have been the presence of God forever. When you came to Christ, maybe today will be your day. Maybe today you'll get the angels to dance. Maybe today will be the day when all of heaven erupts because you responded to the grace and the goodness of God. You could make the angels dance today. Today. They were dancing. They were celebrating over you. Over the decision that you made. The response that you made to God's great love. And so if that doesn't give you joy, you know, there's something. When you're down and out, you go, man, you know what? The angels danced when I came to know Jesus. And you know what I think about this scripture too? Every time we have this kind of an awakening, this moment when God teaches us something and we change our minds for the good, the angels go, ding, sweet. And they start moving around. And yeah, I told you I couldn't dance. It's terrible. I'm gangly. And, you know, and, and, and so they just start moving. And how much more should we, you know, take that in and 
great humility, but also unrestrained happiness. And go, what a God that would do that for us. Make it personal. When each one, when one sinner repents, when one, heaven goes ballistic. They go off when one. And when that one is you, they're so happy. All of heaven erupts. The source of all my joy. And, you know, he says that God is the source, but then he gets very personal because the source of all my joy, that's where my joy resides in God. And then he says, my God. So, you know, here's the way I, when I read that, it's like the altar of God. If you want a, a now type of application, I would say it's like us in here this morning. We're the gathering, uh, we're gathering around this issue of God, wanting to get to know him. Wanting to know what it means to follow him. Some of us are in here because we're giving God a second chance. We're like, or the church a second chance. And, and so we're just like, you know, I'm going to go back and give church a second chance. Well, notice that David doesn't stop at the altar. There's a comma there and he goes, my God. See, the altar was just a part of the process to get to where? My God. My, don't stop at the altar. Don't stop in the traditions and don't stop in the gatherings, but get to God. Don't substitute the two, right? One is, a, is an instrument of God used to bring people and to show the love of God. But get to God. Get to Him, my God. Make it personal. You know, go to the altar. I will go to the altar. I will get there. The source of all my joy. And God, my God. And uh, that's your first feeling. And your second one is this. Go to the source. And I just mentioned that. Go to the source. There's so many uh, like surface things that we can draw great happiness from. And joy, you get picked up. We'll laugh at a commercial on television, right? For a few minutes or we'll cry or we'll, you know. Karen and I just finished a banner. Like I don't know how many weeks it took us to get through Downton Abbey. But uh <laughs> Don't look at me weird, okay? And Because uh, we really got into it. I mean, we got into it. Until when it ended up, you know, we were like, oh, man, what? It's over. It's, it's, it's like, you know, you know, that's not the, I mean, that was fun and all, but get to the source. David says God is the source of all joy. Matter of fact, I believe that the bits of happiness we taste in our lives, the good things, the wonderful things that we wish would last forever, those moments are just a view of who God is himself. You know, you have a great meal with someone and you're sitting there and you think, this could not be any more perfect. I'm having great food. I'm with friends who love me, who know me and they still love me. And, uh, and we're hanging out. And I think that shot right there, that one moment in time is, is just a snapshot of God and the source of joy that he has for us. And so, you know, get to the source. Romans 12, too, I mentioned it earlier. You know, it says that we're not to conform to the pattern of the world. And there's a lot of, man, is there a lot of stuff going on in the world? You know, it's just trying to, to conform us into different groups and poles and this one and that one and associate with this, identify with that. Don't be conformed and pressed into that, but be changed, be transformed. By another look, another outlook of life. By a fresh view. Because all of those, that polarizing and all of that, just all it does is bring dissatisfaction. 
There's no joy in that. Be transformed. Be transformed. And this rewires us, honestly. Psalm 139 uh, Skip was mentioning one of his favorite psalms. Psalm 139 is mine because it's that psalm that, where he's talking along and he talks about how fearfully and wonderfully made he is. Like every part of him God knows. And did you know that about you? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That is wonderfully complex. That's the way God made you. And in that complexity, there is a process of as we Go to the source of our joy as we go to the source of the creator of life. We can change that 40%, that 40% and even that 50%. We may not can change our circumstances, that 10%, but that 40% of how we approach life and that 50% of our genetic makeup can be transformed by the way we approach life. And I think in Psalm 139, I see that over and over again. We're fearfully and wonderfully made complex creatures with a balance of chemicals and information in our brains that God wants to transform us into seeing life the way that he always intended for us to do. Don't be held ransom by that 50% or that 40%. Don't be held ransom by it. But be amazed at the complexity of God and that he made you. Go to the source of joy. Uh, Think of this, you know, if God is the creator of everything, is he not the creator of joy and happiness? Because some of us may think he's the creator of glumness, of dissatisfaction, of judgmentalism. I looked in my journal and I had written this down, and this is for many of you Christians depending on how you were raised, but I wrote this. Many of us see God as the stern father who comes to live with us. We're glad he's here, but we know he's just waiting for us to screw up so he can point out just how disappointed he is in us. And that is not God. That is not what I read as the source of all joy, is it? And you see, the most important thing in our life is how we perceive God because it will dictate how we process everything we come in contact in our lives what we think about ourselves what we think about others how we handle trouble how we handle joy all of it what we think about God we have to settle this we have to go into this knowing God is a good God why did the angels rejoice and say rejoice to those shepherds and rejoice everybody Jesus is here because it was good news good God why isn't the good news still good news to God's good people why? Because we get, keep getting taken hostage by that other 40% or the culture around us that wants to rob us of everything that's good and pure and hopeful. Go to the source of all joy. Zephaniah 3.17, when I was a worship leader, this was, this was my favorite verse. For all those years, um, I, looked, I noticed on my wall a while ago, my original ordination papers, last week was my 39th year of proper ordination. <laughs> Ten years before that, I was on the beach. My congregation was the ocean and the people on the beach. But for 39 years, and I thought, you know, for the first about 20 years of that, this was my scripture. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all your fears. 
He will rejoice over you with joyful sing songs. You sang to him a few minutes ago, but think of this. How about God singing over you? What's his song over you? What's he singing over you? What do you think? Some of you are laughing because you're thinking of funny songs or something. You know, it's like, are you thinking he's rejoicing? There are joyful songs he sings over you. That's what this says because he's the source of all joy. You get this? We want to be like him. Do you want to be a grump? No, because God's not grumpy. He's not fickle. You know, he's not given to this whim and that whim. He's consistent in who he is. He rejoices over you with songs. He sings over you with songs. What's his song over you? What's he singing over you right now? And some translation says he dances over us. Since I don't dance, I like the singing part. He sings over you. What song is he singing? If every angel in heaven rejoices when we come to him, what kind of song is being sung at that time? What kind of song over his creation? You know, it's how we, how we hear God speaking to us. It's, it's like this. Do you, these words, what are you doing? You can interpret that a couple of ways, can't you? I mean, if God walked up to you or somebody walked up to you and said, what are you doing? How do you take that? I've done something wrong, right? I've done something wrong. What, what am I doing? Oh my gosh. How do I straighten it out? How do I correct it? But what if they come and go, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, include me. What are you doing? See, the perspective changes everything and it either takes a rock out of the mouth of the spring of joy or it puts one in it. Our perspective of God being the source of all joy can liberate us in many ways. To enjoy God's approval, to enjoy his fellowship, to enjoy his thoughts of us, to enjoy the fact that he thought enough of you and loved you enough to send his only son. Stop all the foolishness of trying to get to him in all kind of ways and finally say, here's the way, come this way. Come this way. That is God the Father. And that is, he's the source of all joy. Um, Romans 8, 31, it's a great chapter. You ought to read it. It says, what are we to say in response of all, what are we to say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is singing songs of joy over us, why am I hearing a horrible song about myself? It was country music. That was. <laughs> just got to get out of that country music, folks. I mean, it's bringing you down. Can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> All right, make it personal. Make this thing personal because it is personal. It's personal to you. You know, your happiness, your joy is personal to God. It's personal to Jesus. And uh, go to the source. You don't go to this and that and look for joy and happiness in this. Go to the one who created joy and happiness. Go to him. And lastly, do something now. Do something now. Go to the altar. The author says, I will praise you 
with my heart. What do you have at your disposal to praise God with? What do you have? What do you love to do? What gives you joy itself to give? I will praise you. I will praise you with my heart. In other words, I am going to have, I'm going to take what I know that I enjoy doing and I'm going to make it an expression of praise to God. What is it? What hobby, what do you enjoy doing? Go and do it. The altar. Like I said, David may be on the run if he wrote this. The altar's in a private house. He's like, I got to get there. I'm going to bring what I have. I can play a harp. I played it out in the desert when I was taking care of the sheep. I can do that. I can play a song to God. I can do that. I can sing. He was, you know, to me, he's activating all the things he needs to get, get the thinking right. As he thinks of that, he thinks of the goodness of God. And I'm going to do something. I'm going to just lay here. Sit back. No, I'm going to put my hands to work. I'm going to put my feet to moving. I'm going to put my, the words on my mouth. Years ago, I started a practice that has really been wonderful. I was, this is another surfing story, sorry. But um, I was headed to Charleston. I was headed to Charleston to a surfing contest. I was by myself on this particular trip. And uh, I was a Christian for about four years, I guess, by that time. And, you know, my eight-track tape. (laughs) Yes, that's how classic I am. Um, My eight-track tape was not working, and uh, I didn't like the radio. And, uh, and so I'm like, what am I going to do for two hours to Folly Beach? You know, what, what, what am I going to do? So I thought, oh, I'll just talk to God. I'll just talk to God. I thought, man, that's a long time. Two hours there, two hours back. That's, that's four hours of talking to God. But I thought, I'm just going to try this thing. Let's just see what it's like. And so I had a green Ford station wagon. I remember it. <laughs> had, had re- I had resin the rusted parts on the tail with surfboard resin to keep the whole rear end of the car falling off. So I had <laughs> resined it on. And I had a honk if you love Jesus, you know, sticker on, sticker on it. And, uh, and so anyway, I'm headed there. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk to God. So I just started talking. I got to Georgetown and I ran out of words. And I thought, I ran out of words. Wait a minute. That's not good. I've got more words than this. So it was really cool. I was in my mid-20s and... You know, so I just started talking. I got down to the contest, went through the contest for the weekend, turned around to come back and thought, okay, going across the, the old Grace Memorial Bridge uh, out of Charleston. You know, I'm like, it's a good time to pray, you know, coming out of town. <laughs> and so I, I, just start, I just start praying. I was like, Jesus, thank you for this weekend. I got to talk to, to so many people about you. I got to share with you. And, you know, after a while, it just started rolling and rolling. And yeah, it was struggles. It took some time for me to, to kind of get fluent, you know, to be able to do that. But after a while, your heart lightens up. I mean, you go through a tear section. You lay your burdens before the Lord. You, you talk to Him. You just talk to Him. And then after a while, about the time I hit Georgetown again, you know, I was like, this is, I kind of hate for this trip to end. You know, I'm coming, coming home, God, and thank you. Thank you for the trip. And, and talk to Him. You know, develop, do something. It's okay to feel awkward when you first start praying. It's all right. It's okay. Just keep doing it. Keep talking to the source of all joy. Keep calling on him and saying, Jesus, here I am. I do want to know you. I want to, I want to have this thing. They talk about a relationship with you. I want to feel your presence. I want to know you're in my life. 
So here I am, God, would you come with your presence? Would you minister to me? Would you listen to my voice? And would you let me know you heard me? Just let me know you heard me. And just talk to God. Talk to him. Go to the source. You know, play some music. Pick up a guitar, even if you only know one chord, you know, and just drawn on for Jesus, you know. And, and if you plant plants, go out in the yard and look at the beautiful creation of God. Look at every detail of that flower. Look at every detail of, of your work in the yard or what you're doing. If you're building something, you have a hobby, if you're knitting, if you're whatever you're doing, look at every detail of it, every fine detail and see God in it and thank him for it. Go to the source. Do something, though. Do something to generate and get your body in line with what God says. And you will be surprised at what happens. I mean, take, your, take the smile of your friends. Take the smile. I, you know what I'd like to do? Look at my grandkids and look them right in the eye and just go. I go, oh, Pop's a little goofy right now. What's he doing? I'm just going. And you're just taking in every little blue part of their eyes and every little part of it. And just I'm taking it in and I'm thanking God for it and for them and every aspect. And you look at their fingers, their fingernails, you know. You look at every little part and you go, thank you, Lord. And all the boulders that are blocking that flow of joy begin to get moved out. Things start happening in your brain. Things, chemicals start getting released that are good. Neural pathways started opening up. There's new tributaries, new ways of thinking, and you start feeling different. Do something now. And what I want you to do is I want you to find someone, you know, as you're on your way out, and I want you to say something good to them. Notice something good and, and say it to them. Just say something, something wonderful. You know, I mean... Again, it depends on how you say it. Like, every time I look at you, I just want to laugh. I mean, that, <laughs> depending on how you say that, it, 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 you know. It's like I had a guy when I first started preaching. It was on a Wednesday night. He came up to me. He says, Tim, I just want you to know you're getting better. I said, thanks. He goes, I actually understood something you said tonight. <laughs> thanks. I, I feel the love, bro. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what stops us? The start. That's what stops us. The start. Passage in Scripture says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God on high. What was the joy set before him? It was you. It was accomplishing the task of reconnecting you to your creator. And that is the joy of God. To reconnect you. To save you. To put you in right standing with your creator. The source of all joy. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.